Hi guys, I'm the MPA Grappler and welcome to my cast cud cud past. Hi guys, I'm the MPA Grappler and welcome to my podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, just finished from his recent Australian tour. It's eighth degree coral belt, Professor Pedro Sauer. So yeah, he's had a, a huge impact on my life. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him directly impacting my life. So thank you, Professor, for all you've done. Um, yeah, so we basically discussed growing up um, in Rio and uh, the impact that Helio Gracie had on his life. Um, we also discussed his injuries, uh, sort of got into principles and morals, uh, longevity. And we, yeah, we also just um, commentated or he commentated sort of through the Lance Bachelor fight. So be sure to watch that. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, we also discussed the Greece incident that went viral um, and also his love of cars and the Eden Center and, and many other things. So I hope you guys enjoy and we'll catch you later. Us. Hi guys, I'm the Impaired Grappler. Welcome to my podcast. Today we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine from Brazil and America, uh, straight from America, from his tour to Malaysia, Singapore, Korea. Where else did you go? Is that Thailand, Thailand, Bangkok, and uh, right now here, Australia, starting the Australia tour. That's awesome. It's uh, Master Professor Sauer, uh, Pedro Sauer, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Right. My pleasure. We're here in the in the newly built impaired studios so um yeah it's been a long time coming so yes so i just wanted to touch on um when you were growing up sort of pre-jiu-jitsu okay um you, you always talk about how you were a wild kid and um you used to always um be a bit wild on the streets and get into the you know bit of trouble here and there um, before you sort of got take before Hickson took you to the to the academy. So could you just touch on? Um, yeah, well, I grew up in Rio de Janeiro, uh, you know, in the Flamengo neighborhood. That was pretty rough neighborhood. It was where ma mainly all the martial, martial arts start in Brazil. They started from downtown Rio de Janeiro, and slowly they start expanding. Uh, Flamengo later was another area called Botafogo. Later was another area called Copacabana. And after that was Ipanema, and, and Barra came many, many years later. So um, a lot of people from martial arts, Mark Huas, Eugenio Tadeu, the Graces, um, uh, 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 most of the guys that came from early days, uh, Hugo, Hugo Duarte, uh, all those guys that Luta Livre style start in Flamengo. So that's the neighborhood they grow up in. Over there, you need to know how to protect yourself. You need to learn how to, you know, stand up a little bit from the crowd. And uh, that's how pretty much uh, it was, we learned martial arts in Brazil for, almost for necessity. Mm. You can't walk around with nice new shoes. No. Unless you know martial arts. Yeah, you, you might lose your shoes, you might lose a watch, you might lose a girlfriend and escalate from there. So you have to really protect yourself and, and be somebody who can protect your, your, your surroundings. Mm. Were, were there any um, ideals or principles that you've held since you were... Uh, a child that you've sort of developed over the years or is it more what you've learned through um, learning through uh, Helio Gracie's teachings and, and your jiu-jitsu experience? 
Well, I think it's more combination. What happens that uh, as a kid, I grew up uh, in a big family. My mom was a very uh, good educator, and she spo- spent way too much time with us as a kids. And because I was a travel kid, I believe she spent spent even extra amount of time with mm-hmm. me. And she took me for many different schools. She took me to, to do a lot of courses. In the early days, I was diagnosed with uh, people used to call me that I was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, 50 years ago... Diagnosed crazy. Yeah, you're crazy. Yeah. You know, so what you do, you take medicines. Mm. And um, I remember going to doctors. I remember going to uh, mental hospitals mm. to do treatment. I used to get uh, uh, those wires hooked up in your body. ECG. Some electrical mm. wires. And what they do, they start showing you pictures in front of you. And you have to try to... You have to trans... What, what you see in the pictures. And those pictures, like, a, it was everything kind of blend together and you... That's how that's kind of treatment they used to do. Mm. I never understood very well, but I'd done this for years, many years, and I was a super hyper kid. But I was a very smart kid at the same time too. I was open to, uh, you know, I have a gift with a mechanic, uh, an electronic gift mm. in my hands. So I used to open TVs and just dismount the whole TV to look inside to take pieces apart and later put everything back together. And that's why you love cars as well, for the same reason? That's why I like to work in cars. I love to work with mechanics. I like to see how you can make something better. Mm. How can you add a little trick? How can you add a little, a better quality wire or a better quality gear mm. or a better quality uh, grease? Anything that you can add in a car to make it better. Yeah. And I learned those kind of things. And when I went to the Grandmaster Master Grace Academy, when Hickson took me there, I believe what I did, I, I started learning Jiu-Jitsu from Grandmaster Eddie from a very early age. I was a kid, very light kid. I couldn't do too much stuff. I was very fragile. Mm. You know, imagine to be in a school where Grandmaster Eddie Grace and all his kids, it was there in class. There was Hordion, uh, Helson, Hickson. They all super gifted. You know, Hansel came, uh, Helion, uh, Hoyler, Hoyce. Uh, all those kids was in class there all the time. And I was just a little fragile kid, so, but I always had a, a, not a bad temper, but I used to have a almost indomitable spirit. Mm. It was very, very hard to, to pin me down. I just fought with everything that I could. And Elio changed my mind. Elio kind of, uh, I basically grew up listening on the, I, because a big family, we used to have a lot of cousins, uh, a lot of people that used to work for my mom, for my dad, from, from my uncles, from my grandpa. So it's a huge family. Mm. We used to get together. And every time something shows up broke in the house, Pedro was the first name that came to mm. everybody else's mouth. And I hear that all over, you know, as a kid, I was a smart kid. So I was kind of, mm. I was hyper, going in every room, going everywhere, hanging out with the other quarters, uh, with the employees. And I always can hear my name. Oh, it must be Pedro. Oh, Pedro's this, oh, Pedro's that. So I thought that I was crazy. I believe I was crazy mm. growing up. And uh, Grandmaster Elliot was the first person in my life that actually, with a hand in my collar, in the mount position, and I was in bottom, and he looked him right in my eyes and said, so you crazy, huh? Let me see how we're going to get out of here. Try to get out of here. And I freaked out on the bottom trying to escape, and mm. I couldn't escape. And after that, I looked right in my eyes and said, hey, you don't trick me. You can trick your parents. You can mm. trick anybody else. But I think you're full of crap. Mm. You, know, you don't trick me at all. And that's the first time that I, I didn't trick someone. Mm. First time that somebody didn't fall on my, mm. on my face. Mm. You know, my facade. Facade, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. 
So it's like, and then like with the mechanics and that, then you, you can, you're bringing in all your, all your jiu-jitsu knowledge as well and you can just transfer all the same concepts as well with like, like your, um, your saying, yield to win, which is one of your, one of your quotes that you have, one of the good ones, you know, as well as you've got other ones like loyalty deeds, not, not words, mm-hmm. you know. And so like how, what principles do you have for your association and what, in terms of, um, yeah, well, what does your association stand for? What principles do you try, do you want for everyone to ideally um, reach towards in your association? Yeah, what I think about is how to preserve the art. And I came from a from a, a, a time of uh, era, a time of the of when I was a child, that Elio Grace was defending the flag of Jiu-Jitsu mm-hmm. and fighting against bigger opponents, younger opponents. You know, all his fights has a huge mismatch size-wise. And Elio used to put in our mind that your size is not a limitation. Mm-hmm. You have to use this as a as a way to kind of bait your opponent, to trick your opponent. So basically what I think, what I did for myself, I used my mom's uh, effort to educate me, to put me, to make a citizen, to make me a good person. And I used Grandmaster Elio philosophy to make me a more socially acceptable mm-hmm. with uh, other cultures, with other people, and give me a, a true gift of uh, confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I blend those two together, that's what I try to pass to everybody through the association, is that uh, preserving the art from Grandmaster Elio Gracie, number one, Hickson Gracie, and Helson Gracie, Hollywood, mm. they all have a very good, strong fundamentals. And I believe without the fundamentals, we cannot build a very solid Jiu-Jitsu game. Because down the road, Jiu-Jitsu is very tricky. Mm. We learn Jiu-Jitsu from an early age, and after that you're growing up to be a man. And you have a, a X amount of time to enjoy the spirit time. And after that, the age starts catching up. And when you start catching up age, your efficiency goes down physically. Mm. And when you don't have the foundation, that's when you struggle. That's when you, you're going to be struggling with the new people that are coming in. So imagine you have a new guy that's coming in, getting ready to test for his blue belt. He's physically fit. He's been doing wrestling since he's a kid. Mm. He's done other martial arts. He's a gymnastics guy. And he starts learning jiu-jitsu. And the combination of those, those uh, body attributes, and plus the guy's big, strong. Mm. So that's when you're a black belt, but now you're a little bit older over the ramp. Your, your, your body's kind of diminished, a little bit of efficiency. Your lungs are not, not mm. performing the way I was before. And the problem, we have those blue belts, young guys chasing us every day. Mm. And you build on a school based on toughness, based on performance. Mm. You have to perform. And this is very tricky because you only can, can feed less than 10% of the population. That's right. Most of the people who need jiu-jitsu is the fragile ones, mm-hmm. is the one that is uh, not socially very, uh, they don't blend in very mm-hmm. easily. Those are the ones who can make the biggest difference. And I think the combination between Elio Grace and my mom's uh, uh, skills, that's what I'm trying to pass to all my students to, through the association. It is, we can, we can all understand jiu-jitsu very well as long as you build a huge foundation, mm. the foundation has to be very, very large, very solid. In my mind, the foundation is going to be the bottom of the triangle. Yeah. So you're going to be able to still put a lot of moves here. You're going to still fill it up. Yeah. And, and I keep in my mind that I was open. So this triangles, the top of the triangles, I was open. Mm. So oh, I always okay. put another extra, another extra bread and butter, another extra mm. trip, another extra setup. 
we are always willing to change things as a, as a uh, updating, as a we're not uh, uh, learning some new moves, but we're discovering moves that have been done before, mm. that setups that have been done before, but we didn't know about that. Mm. So I like to leave that open, but I believe we are going to circle around to go back to the basics. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to sort of conceptualize that pyramid, trying to, like the levels, it's like, oh, if you cut out the self-defense, it's like a thinner pyramid. If you cut out this, cut out, like, so what parts make the pyramid? Then I started thinking, but I like that with the open of the top. Then I started thinking, Hickson's is like, it's not, it's not a pyramid, it's a 3D, <laughs> it's a 3D pyramid that just goes on forever, his knowledge. And it's well, like, yeah. And like, well, what happened with Hickson uh, happened the same thing with Elliot. Mm. I got a chance to, to meet Elio on his late 50s. Yeah. So he was pretty active. He was a pretty yeah. uh, demanding and a pretty, a very strong presence yeah, at the camp. He was strong for ages. Yeah, imagine, imagine to walk into school every night and the instructor's Elio Grace. So that's what I faced mm. at the time. And, and with time, with the time goes by, Elio got on his 60s, on his 70s, on his 80s, on his 90s. Mm. And I was able to grapple Grandmaster Elio when he was 92. And I was able to do moves with him until 95 years old. When the last time when I saw him, he just turned 95. That was November 28th of 2008. Mm. The last time I saw Grandmaster Elio. He passed away two months later. And at the time, you know, I arrived in his house, like every single time that I arrived in his house, the first word he came to his mouth, you got your gi? Hmm. Say yes, Professor, I got my gi. So... Uh, he just asked me to perform the, 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 the choke. Mm. So when he was 95 years old, he gave me his neck, and I put the hand on his neck, and he just wanted to see me turning on the right angle, and he just wanted to see me bring the, the, the elbow towards me, instead try to squeeze the with my arm. That's the only thing he wants to see, but even yeah. at 95 years old, you still want to test me. You still want to make sure you, you got that the polished details on the technique. It's all about the polish, it's all about the... And because I saw Grandmaster Elio coming from 60 to 90, I saw that his age mm. decrease, his, his, uh, his muscle, his physicality decrease, but his efficiency mm. stay up. Yeah. He was a pretty savvy guy at 95 mm. years old. He put your hands in your neck, you're going to tap. Yeah. You, you know, you, you're going to feel a, a powerful choke. And I think about, man, if this guy at 95 years old can still perform those little details, very subtle details, very, mm. very subtle. Yes, everything about angle. Everything is about how to use your, your arm as a tool. The invisible... The invisible jiu-jitsu that Hickson doing right now. Mm. And the same thing mm. with Hickson. We met each other. We were like 14, 15 years old, young kids. And it uh, took me a couple, <coughs> couple years to go to, to actually to be a student. I didn't like it too much in the beginning. I saw Hickson training. First time I mm. saw Hickson training, he was a, a green belt. And he was training against another guy who was a purple belt. And they are going out of, they are going crazy on the mat. I saw flipping around, I saw mm. brain, every kind of stair used to climb to the walls. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. Mm. It took me two years to go back there. I didn't like it. I thought it was too violent, too crazy, too wild. And after I went back to that two years later, I got a chance to start training with Hickson on his prime. You know, he was probably 17, 18. I remember Hickson, when he got his black belt, he was probably, you know, 19, 18, 19 years old close to the age, yeah. and he was an unbelievable, unbelievable mm. gifted individual. And of course, I've been training him all those time, so I got a chance to see Hickson adapting mm. and changing jiu-jitsu for his needs. Yes. 
So that's what happened. Hicks was such a smart, so intelligent when you talk about the body mechanic. You know, it takes you a good scientist for you to actually start to understand the body anatomy. And that's what we're doing. We're studying body anatomy. Now, it's one thing to study body anatomy from somebody who's very young, very gifted, very athletic, can use all kinds of acrobacy moves, mm. acrobatic stuff. And the other thing, for you to kind of learn the same thing for somebody who doesn't have nothing like that anymore. Mm. He lost at all. And that's where the major balance comes in Jiu-Jitsu. And I think that's what I bring through the association. I try to bring this, is the spirit of let's learn self-defense first. Let's understand this first. Let's mm. build this foundation here very wide first. And after that, keep going with the, the tip of the triangle always mm. open. So we always welcome new practitioners, mm. new uh, young, young competitors. You know, I like to make everybody welcome in association. In the moment you wear the association, Pedro Sauer patch, I have enough find the schools that say, oh, you're from Professor Pedro Sauer? No, you cannot train here. You know, I, I, I found the opposite. Anybody who goes, oh, it's from Professor Sauer, they, they lay the red carpet for mm. us. And that's the best price, that's yeah, the best I've thing I can do. I've that, yeah, when I've trained overseas and just, yeah, you know, I'm with Pedro, I say, oh, Pedro is a very good friend of mine. Yeah, so it's, yeah, always, always got a good rap all over. And that's, that's the most important, is to make sure that our students, everybody in our group of guys, they feel welcome and they feel proud to represent a flag a symbol that it is recognizable all over the world, recognizable as a quality, mm. not as a rough, as a powerful, as a strong. No, it recognized as a, somebody who strive for good mechanics, who strive for good manners, who strive for social skill improvements. When you put all this together, I think we have a great package. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I just wanted to play the Lance Bachelor match with you and we could just okay. have it on in the background while we're um, talking about it. But yeah, like, tell us about like leading up to that Lance Bachelor fight. How did it all get, how did it all get set up? Well, I was in a school, uh, well, half the Hoist Gracie fought UFC 1. And uh, when he fought UFC 1, uh, one of my students, his name was Loni Foster. Lon is uh, one of the guys who helped me the most, very helpful guy, super talented, great guy, helped me tremendously in, in Utah. He's been one of my first black belts, super nice, great talented mm -hmm. guy. So I believe that what happened that Lonnie Foster got, in, got a, 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 some kind of connection with the radio station. Yeah. And I went there to do some radio interview about Hoist Grace UFC 1. And when I was there, Mr. Utah, he, apparently yeah, he was there. Massive. Yeah, he was a big boy. He was a short, but you know, two hundred and fifty pounds. Yep, short that's, but wide, stocky. Very stocky, legs big, big legs, very so fit, lo very low center of gra gravity, very hard to take down that kind of. Yep. Body shape. So I never met him before. I never knew who he was. I accepted the challenge basically without even seeing him. When I stepped there right now, that's the first time I saw him. Yeah, it almost looks like he got a mohawk from. Yeah, I, I, I had a little mohawk. A little mohawk there. Yeah, I put a little mohawk there too. Yeah. And I have Vaseline all over my face. Yeah. And the Vaseline end up to rubber in, in Lance's body. So he's like to hold on a wet fish. Yeah. Uh, wet fish with soap. And yeah. I thank you God, the new self-defense, as you can yeah. see. We start with the leg kicks as a distraction. Mm. Those are all to, designed to keep to manage your yeah. distance. And I can notice that the, 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 uh, Mr. Utah was trying mm -hmm. to grab my legs. Okay. Oh, and I knew that I could snap those kicks very, very quickly. 
So he never touched my leg. Yeah. Look at how, how, look at that. You see him trying to grab? Yeah. Oh, he never touched it. Never touched my, my, my leg. Oh, never. Oh, right there. When he tried to touch my leg, that was the time that I swung the punch. Because yeah. look at that. The guy stuck on the gear. Yeah. He opened up his jaw. Yeah. Boom, and right to the yeah. nose. So it was a left yeah. and right. Actually, it was a right and left. And I saw his nose move to one side and move oh. to the other side. Right there, his nose moved back. And, oh. and he completely ate it. But you see, he's a, he was so much bigger now, so much lighter. And he a, shook it. That was a very fast punch. You have to watch it in slow motion. That yes. one, like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So you couldn't actually see. Yeah. And I, over there, I got a three more. Yeah. I had three more punches. They all connected. Every single time I had a punch, mm -hmm. uh, the, Mr. Utah, the punch got connected. Yeah. Every single time. And I never received one punch. Mm. So that's a, a perfect example of self-defense. And right there is the luckiest moment of the fight. Yeah. You see, we went to the ground. I swept him. When I went to the top, notice that his left arm is going to be stuck on my body. You see the left arm? Yeah. Now he lifted my body completely off the ground. Mm -hmm. Look look how my legs get swept underneath him. Oh, yeah. oh, right there. He picked you right up. He picked me right up with one arm. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the luckiest moment. Because if yeah. you end up establishing the top position, yeah. can you imagine? Yeah. It would be a very hard for him to get out from the ball. Yeah, yeah? yeah for sure. Yeah, but at the, at the moment right there, I was in the bottom, so the only thing to do is to control him and to use my hook. As butterflies. Butterfly yeah. to make sure his hands are busy on the ground instead of busy on my face. Look how much, look, it's like a cat. Mm. He was probably had some wrestling, wrestling yeah. experience. Otherwise, you'd be tossing left to right. Look his hands on the ground all the time. Mm. Well, it's all about distance management. Yep, that's Start it. with the kicks. Look at that. He was trying to hit me. Oh, he couldn't find me. Couldn't, now the hand on the ground. Now look at that. I'm starting to lift him. Look at the hands. Oh, hand on the ground. Yeah. Oh. Look at that. Now look at that. Look right up in the air. Oh, he was so lucky right there. Yeah. He could have been flipped very easily. Mm. And the problem is that when you give this kind of distance, and we talk about no holds bar, mm. it's very tricky for you to establish and wide your base because you have to think about punches so you can never mm. let go of the body. Yeah. So you have to always keep clenching the it's body. Given take, you, you can't have. I cannot take a punch. By the way, that's the only when I when I fought Mr. Mr. Utah, I talked to Grandmaster Elliot. Two mm. days before the fight, and the only advice he gave to me was, "Don't get hit." <laughs> that's all that. Yeah, that's, that's the only advice he gave to me. Don't. So I was there with my main main goal was not to get hit. Yeah, I didn't want to tap him. Well, of course, if he show up, Subinsha shows up, mm. I'll be cut him early. But I, I might be. Oh, right there, another lucky moment mm. there. He used the momentum. Mm. Oh, look at the momentum. Oh, I push his leg. He's I good. lift it. I flip it. I take a look on my on my left leg. I couldn't have my see my knee touch the ground. Yeah. I couldn't have the frog feet yeah, on the yeah, ground yeah, yeah. because you break my leg if you yeah. put my frog feet. Yeah. Oh, right there. That's the only punch he, he connected right there. It's it kind of give me a little headache here for yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only punch that was really in the back of my head. Everything else is missing. Yeah. All those punches it was not 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 nothing. Now look there. That's going for one miss. Miss. Oh, miss it. Uh, he tried another one, missed it. Now I block his arm and I right, right in the nose. Uh, boom! <laughs> right in the nose. That exploded to his yeah. nose right there. And after that, look at my yeah, look at, yeah. Full of his blood. I didn't have one scratch. Yeah. Now look at that. The leg, leg, perfect stretch. Pop! The arm pop right mm. there. Yeah, that was awesome armbar. Yeah. That's called the Lance Bachelor armbar. Yep. And I have to cross my legs. People ask me, why you cross my leg? Well, when you have a wet fish that big, you want to hold the guy yeah. with your thighs. So I, oh, right there. See, he tried to poke my eyes there. Oh, right yeah. My... oh yeah. Yeah, thumb in the eye. Yep. I grab one, a two, and right there, look at that. Buck. Right there. And, and of course, the arm, he fell down the ground. Ooh. And he tapped on my leg right there on the left hand. The judge is right here standing up yeah. on the side. You know, 
you know, one, two. Oh, everybody now clapped because you know, everybody knew you're going to get out of there. How are you going to get out of there if you have yeah. no clue? And the arm was broke. Tapping there. Now look how my body arched after that. And his mm. body was right in my chest. Mm. So right there. You see that? Yeah, the angle that's, there? That's good. So I let go and it turned my body and he said, why? What happened? Because I don't think he didn't even knew what happened. He, didn't, didn't keep in mind, that's UFC 1. Yeah. The, his coach, was that his coach came to my class. After UFC 1. After UFC 1. Yeah. So he, his coach, he stopped the, you know, he kind of, that's it, that's it. He, he thought it was some kind of BS, I guess. Mm. And he pushed the Lance, uh, Lance Bachelor after the, the, he took him out of the, the room. And uh, a month later, his coach was doing some kind of police training in a school, or a training called the Murray, Murray High School. I was doing some class there. And his coach showed up in class. And he asked me, what move was that? What was that? So he didn't even, never knew it. He never seen an armbar. Mm. So I put him in an armbar, and I told him I was trying to get him to grapple with us there, but he mm. didn't grapple. He just came uh, just talk about to, Just wanted to see it, feel it. Just wanted to see and feel it. So I put him in an armbar, and I said, try to escape now. And of course he couldn't escape. Another thing too that not so many people know that, that Mr. Utah, a month and a half later, he was in my school, show up at Miss Marlowe Gymnastics at Parlis Way in Salt Lake City, Utah, walking class, everybody thought it was going to be a fight, but actually came to learn Jiu-Jitsu. And I paired up with him, and I tapped him 15, 20 times. One after the other, mm. one after the other. You know, tap him like a little kid. Like, yeah. you know, if you, if you grapple, yeah. you're going to get tapped left or right. And that's what happened with him. 250 pound body, but a little kid, little yep. kid. Yeah, <laughs> but tap left or right. You know, I was 37 mm. years old. Yeah. I was in your prime. In my prime there. So I just tapped him a dozen of times. And he asked me to teach, to, to learn Jiu-Jitsu. I signed him up with one of my blue belts. His name was Simon Parson. Simon taught private class to Mr. Utah for quite a while, and he ended up to fighting a couple more times. He had some couple professional fights uh, from Mr. Mr. Yeah. Utah after that fight. Yeah. How did he do after that? He lost all of them. <laughs> he didn't do very well. He okay. fought one of my students. His name was uh, Ethan Andrews. <laughs> Lance Bachelor fought Ethan Andrews, and Ethan was a good boxer, and he just demolished uh, Mr. Utah. Just clocked him very hard. Yeah. Okay, so like guys like this, Mr. Utah, 250 pounds, and all the other monsters you've battled with, I guess, over the, over the years. Um, so could, could you just tell us what injuries, what impact on your body, what injuries you've had, um, some of, you know, what are the worst ones you've had, um, mm -hmm. uh, what you did to fix them, and whether you do something different now to fix it? Well, when I, when I moved to America... Uh, the Gracie uh, family, Grace, Hodian Grace, specifically, put a hundred thousand dollars challenge match. He advertised that on a black belt magazine. Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, was October of 1991. Yeah, I moved to Utah on December of 1990. January of 1991, I was ready teaching class. So December of 1990, I was ready teaching class in Utah. So a year later. Hoyden put to this open challenge match, offering $100,000. Well, I have people come to my, ho my house, my house when I used to have my ex-wife and my two first kids, and I have people walking with the magazine and pointed $100,000. And I have to get on the phone, call Hoyden, Hoyden get, negotiate with the guy because I didn't spoke a word in English. Mm. 
So he negotiated, lady the guy passed the phone to Hori, you know, uh, get the phone for Hori, and Hori used to say, Pedrinho, go ahead and fight the guy, no money involved. I hang up the phone, went to my living room, and we fought. And I put boxing gloves on the guy, and I, the deal was like, you can box as much as you want, I just want to take you down, make you say uncle. That's, those are my normal days every day. It's a, di a di daily deal, daily Pedro deal. Every day. And when you talk about injuries, I do have 12 operations on my body. I have 11 screws that's, that was put in my body. Each screw, about two inches. I have 11 of those. And um, all those could be avoidable, 100%. I could avoid every single one. Because what happened is that when you fight Jiu-Jitsu and you have an unpredictable opponent that's not trying to pass your guard, is not trying to stabilize across the body, is not trying to mount, he's just trying to brawl. It was a physical brawl, mm. complete unpredictable. The guy decided to pass your guard, he decided to jump backwards. Yeah. Imagine have your legs locked, and the guy is about 100 pounds heavier than you, and the guy decided to somersault. And very physical guy, physical ability, a gymnastic guy, or a karate guy, or a kung fu guy. Mm. And this was every single night. So if you don't know self-defense, you're gonna get hurt 100% of the time. If you try to do sport, you get hurt 100% of the time. The only way you can survive if you focus your, tra your, your train on the skeleton control. So you have to control the spine, the collarbones. Mm. When you control the collarbones by the neck, you start controlling the arms too. Mm. But if you just control the arms, you don't control the spine. The yeah. spine is too mobile. It's too f so you're holding somebody like this because you wanna do a lot of sport. And I love the sport part too. I, I advise everybody to do it. <laughs> but uh, not as a beginning, not as, as a core not as a basics, not as a foundation. Mm. Because down the road, when you get older, and you have to rely on your basics, your basics now is gonna be holding the sleeves. Your basics now is gonna be how good your grip it is. Mm. And what happens uh, as an age, if your fingers, you know, you're gonna bust your fingers, gonna get hurt, you're not gonna be able to do it too much, pretty soon you're not gonna be able to hold a pen, pretty yeah. soon you're gonna be hold for you to hold a fork. You know, so mm. everything with moderation, it is intelligent for, for us to do. Yeah, all right. So what what's current prevention strategies do you do? Like morning stretches or? Uh, no, I stretch basically every day. I think the best time to stretch would be at night time before mm -hmm. you go to bed. Yeah. I stretch my whole body before I go to bed. Okay. Because during the night we build water. Okay. The body is a build up of water. It's a process of building water when you sleep. Mm -hmm. So when we wake up, we wake up all stiff. Mm. So the way to, to do is to, is to stretch your, 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 all your joints at night time okay. and in the morning. Yeah. And of course in the school. So yeah. if you make this a good habit, I think you grow you grow mm. old pretty pretty mild. You think you yeah. grow pretty gentle. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, I wanted to touch on what when we were in Greece, the incident that happened with your daughter. Mm -hmm. um, we could play it, but yeah, we don't have to play it. But um, it's only like a thirty second video that are, that's on YouTube. But um, can you talk about that incident, like leading up to it, but and then also the impact it had on your daughter. Like from, because like my whole philosophy is um, to not, not be the victim and try to be the victor. Mm -hmm. And that was one incident where within the space of a minute, it changed from a person being a victim to being a victor. And I just wanted you to sort of touch on that. And if you could. Yep. Well, there was an incident that happened. Uh, <coughs> it was a, one, one kid, you know, a mm -hmm. little bit wild, crazy. Mm -hmm 
who probably was on drugs. And he was, I didn't see it, mm. but it was my wife was outside with my two daughters. And this guy chose my youngest one. She was 13 at the time. Just turned 30 in a few days. Of, yep, just turned uh, 13. So a very young age. Yeah. And, and beautiful little girl, mm. you know, and, and the nicest, gentle human being. Yeah. Super friend, super caring, just an unbelievable lady. Uh, my daughter is just very kind. So I see the, I didn't see it, but this guy can start talking about smoke and some kind of drugs with my daughter. Okay. And in the meantime, he goes and grabs her boobs, you know. And my daughter just put the bo- both arms there like this and call mom. And my, my wife saw that, and my wife said, hey, what you doing? My wife kind of, and the guy kind of told my wife to, you know, after whatever. And my, do- my wife came to the store where I was with uh, Phil Grapsas. That was the, my Greek friend. Mm. He's in, he, in Australia, yeah. owns the Leverage yeah, Academy. Yeah, my instructor. Yeah, instructor yeah. Phil, great guy. So we, when I was in the, uh, the store, was kind of a little bit in the top level. So when my wife told him was a guy, and he, she kind of point, uh, mention, uh, mention that he was wearing a black shirt. I, my eyes, corner of my eyes, I see a black guy. I saw, I saw a black shirt with a C in some kind of cross, and that caught me attention. Mm. And I kind of, I told Phil, come after me because I'm gonna fight this guy. Mm. And I start walking, walking, walking. And I, I made a visual contact with him about 40 seconds later. Mm. I visually made eye contact uh, with his with the shirt, and I saw him. Messing with other people, mm. he was messing with a lot of people. He was a very obnoxious individual, pushing people. And apparently, he was a well-known in the area, because after mm. I, I, I gave him a little lesson, I saw a couple other people. Man, I wish I should have killed him. Mm. The older people asked, told me to. I wish I should have killed him. But uh, the deal that he made a he made a left turn and he sit he sit down behind the trash can, almost like he wants to hide. Mm to do something, mm. wait the time to do something. Yeah. We, I, I, at that time, I took my phone, I gave it to my wife, and I told her to record it, just in case something mm. happened. I didn't know what I was gonna do, I didn't yeah. know nothing. When we approached the guy, you know, Phil was talking to him in, in Greek, Yeah. And, uh, and I knew that was the guy who touched my daughter, so mm. I wanna give him a lesson. <laughs> so what happened that I grabbed his, and I put, apply a wrist lock, and uh, the wrist kind of dislocated a little bit, and I saw him cutting pain, so I grabbed the hand and I put it back in place. Mm. When I told him to, to apologize to my daughter, mm. I dragged him by his hand. When I pulled it, the hand went right back in place. And after that, I said, you go say sorry to my daughter, go say sorry. And my daughter was behind my other daughter, just her head like this, mm. terrified. And uh, I clocked him on the, on give a little clock on his stomach. his stomach. And my daughter saw that. Yeah. She didn't see me uh, yeah, breaking the wrist. Yeah, yeah. But she saw me clock in the head, yeah. and her eyes just mm. light up. Okay. And after that, I told my wife and my daughters to say, "You guys go walk," and I stay behind. Me and Phil will stay behind. They walk pretty far away, and we start walking behind, but like in a good 100 meters, 50 meters behind, let them then way ahead of us, mm. just in case the people was gonna follow us. And nothing happened. When I arrived there, my daughter was having a smile on her face. Mm. And uh, my other daughter having a smile, so everybody had a smile. So the terror that I saw on my daughter's eyes before changed for a smile, because I think it was the lesson mm. my daughter felt that somebody stood up for her, mm. and this ended up to be a very uh, good lesson because today I go, I do seminars all over the world, mm. and once in a while I see a female come to me, 
and she said, I saw the, the video in, uh, that you mm. did in, in Greece, and thank you. Mm. You really made my day. You know what? I've been living for years mm. with something, a closet, uh, some skeleton in my closet yeah. I couldn't talk about. Now I feel great. Mm. Somebody stuck up mm. for us. Somebody did something. This is not right people to do that. So I hope I, I can probably save this kid's life. Yeah. Because if this kid could be doing this more often, you know what could be happening? He might find another dad yeah. who's a little bit more hard-headed mm. and it will kill him. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's one way to kind of... In my mind, it was like, at least I, I believe I might save this kid's life by giving him a lesson, by they taught him a lesson to not touch females. Well, he definitely would have had to think about, think think about things. Yeah. Couldn't use both his hands for a while. But yeah, um, yeah I think that's just a really powerful message. Like, just the change from terror to to you know joy that joy and happiness and it's like you know it just shows you that like you know violence isn't always the answer but it's like you need to be able to protect yourself and it's, you, you can't just be pa- you know a pacifist with everything in life it's like yin and yang order and chaos yeah jiu-jitsu is, is a great equalizer mm. and my daughter right now she is 15 years old she has zero zero bad feelings like actually when we talk about this, she's smiling. It's fun. It's kind of end up to be almost like a, a, a fun, a funny uh, example. And uh, we talk about this with daughters, other, other her friends, uh, boyfriends. You know, I kind of make, make a, a joke. Hey, my friend, be, be gentle, be smart. <laughs> I'll show you this video. <laughs> Let me show what happens if you touch my daughter in a, in a, in a in proper way. way. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is, in a proper That's way. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, that video, like, if you just saw the video, it looks like, oh, he, the, he's, you're bullying someone. But, yeah, because you've just seen the, because when the when they came out, you just saw what happened, what you did to him, and then you made him say sorry. Yeah. Like, oh, what happened? Yeah, there were a few negative comments, but, like, there were so many more positive comments just blasting anyone that said anything negative. But in the context, that video is awesome. Yeah. And then, like, the afterwards. But anyway... Um, so, like, when you when you travel, like, you know, when you're in Greece and, like, when you travel to different places, what are the universal similarities that you find between different cultures? And, like, how do you go about, you know, learning about where you go in your cultures and the place you're going and the people? Uh, you know, it's unbelievable to kind of travel around and see different cultures. And uh, the Asia culture is so educated, so mm. proper. They are so, they are so friendly. They are, the manners, respectful. they're so respectful. What a, and, and because they have a small stature, yeah. for, for them, the ability to discover leverage, mm. you know, when they start discovering leverage, when you're a small person and somebody show you a little possibility of mm. leverage, this is such a light bulb that comes up in our personality. Yeah, so and it's such a great it. hope. You know, change people. That changed my life so much. I grew up in a huge family mm. and my brother that's one year younger than me is a 300 pounds man yeah. today. Yeah. I'm 160. When we grow up, you know, you know, kids, you know, I have another cousin who was a big kid too. Mm. So I was a small one mm. but I was the hyper, I was the more like, you know, spiky one yeah. but uh, I had to fight really hard. Mm. When I learned how to use leverage, you know, I, I learned that it's okay for me to be nice. It's, a, it's acceptable. I can be nice. I don't have to put this face, hey, I'm a tough guy. Mm. I don't have to act as a tough guy. Yeah. 
I, I can act as a super nice guy yeah. because I'm not afraid to be nice. Mm. Because Jiu-Jitsu gave me the tool on my hands to allow me to be nice without fear, without be fearful. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's incredible social benefits. Yeah. That's in my point of view. I believe this is the best uh, social benefit that we can do is to teach Jiu-Jitsu with uh, good manners, mm. good education, good hygiene, good uh, uh, you know good principles, good morals. Morals are yeah. When you put this in a package, that's our, what our association is about. We don't see uh, the bad guys; they don't stick around. Yeah. All the grumpies, yeah. all the, 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 the you know the the guys who kind of too honorary, uh, too mad. I was kind of seeing the, the the glass of water is always half empty. Mm. Those guys, if they don't change, they don't feel good in our association. They don't blend in, because my in our my point of view, I don't care who you are. If I benefit from jujitsu from an early age, learning from Elio Gracie. I guarantee you that I can change a lot of people's life doing the same thing that's mm. done for me. The same thing. Yeah. Well, it definitely happened with me. Just one of your lessons changed my life with jiu-jitsu. And it's like, it just transferred to everything. Like, you know, I'm not an expert, but it's like, well, one little thing, oh, like the using the legs to defend in the mount. Just mm -hmm. that one lesson, that concept of connection, just like changed my entire, it's kept me on the mats. Yep. I wouldn't yep. be able to stay on the mats with my injuries if it wasn't for that lesson and that concept transferring to all aspects of my jiu-jitsu and then eventually to my whole life. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. So can you tell us about the um, the Pusada and the camps you have there? Like we went there in the 2013, a few of us from Australia. Mm -hmm. um, we had, yeah, it was a big group of us, probably maybe a dozen or so, 10 or more. Anyway, yeah, it was good, close yeah, it was a big, big group, yeah. yeah. Um, so every year you hold... Two camps there. Yep. Um, you got one coming up in January. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, if you could talk about there and the latest stuff you've done there. Uh, the Posada, it is a bed and breakfast. It's mm -hmm. like a Airbnb yeah. can be uh, compared to Airbnb. And it's just a beautiful spot. Mm -hmm. We have a, a, a 30,000 square meters piece of land. And it's a valley, it's, a, it's, it's in a two canyons. So we have two canyons. They yeah. meet and you have a waterfall in our backyard. Yeah. yeah. And we have all kinds of trees. I just planted mm. over 300 fruit trees. We have a close to like 500 acai trees. Mm. It is a pair of avocados, tangerines, lemon, you name it. Pineapples, mm. not a pineapple, uh, how called is a, uh, forgot now, but it's a papayas. 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 We have all kinds of fruits there. <coughs> we have an orchard. And it is a paradise. Mm. When you're there, it's such a, a great climb. We're very safe. We have a beautiful yeah. swimming pool. It's just a gorgeous a paradise. Yeah. It's an incredible retreat. And that retreat has always been a, a very famous retreat for my family, mm. the Sour family. Yeah. My grandfather owns a house. And he made their house a point of, of a connection for their whole entire family. Mm. So the funny thing about the, the Sour family... 80% of the Sour family born in the months of uh, July, August, September, October, November. Sometime in that. That means we got conceived between December, January, uh, February, and March. Those are the vacation time in Brazil where everybody went to Petropolis. Mm. So those are the times that the, the biggest numbers of Sour family born over there. They all got conceived. Over there on the property. It's just a paradise. Mm. 
Unbelievable power of those. You've got the... You said you've got the monkeys in the backyard, you've got the forest there. Assays on the ground, we're, we're paying through the nose here to, to eat a frozen version of it. <coughs> but yeah, so like at the Posada, you've, you've also got Helios, Helios car. And you're a story in that. So Helio Great Scars being restored. It's almost restored. like a museum you've got. Yep, going. I got a little museum over there. We have uh, the Helio Great Stable, where yeah. you know, beautiful table came from Helio's house. It was humongous. Mm. It was uh, such a big piece of, of, of furniture. Yeah. There's nowhere to be put in that. So everything was for sale. And Helio's uh, uh, wife, Vera, she offered to me, and I told her, just do a package and I'll, I'll buy everything. And I bought the car, I bought the, the, the table, I bought his bed. That's a, is a yeah. bigger than a king size bed okay. in the early days. Yeah. Nobody ever heard a bed yeah. this size. It's humongous. Yeah. It's a square bed. Humongous. Hmm. It's bigger than a king size bed. Hmm. And it's over there in the Posada. And we have the, the washing machine. Is that where your brother sleeps? No, no, no that's no, no, a, no, anybody can sleep there. there. Okay. Yeah, it's in a, in a suite. One of the suites has the bed. Hmm. We can always rotate people there yeah. if you want to have a night there. That's always a bed. Yeah. yeah that's like, that's extra. <laughs> that's, well, you know, that, everything is included. With that. The yeah. Posada is very simple. We have a Grandmaster Helios car is going to be done probably this next camp in January. We're going to be able to, to enjoy and, and, and drive an Helios car. Mm. And by the way, he destroyed the car. And the price for the reconstruction of the car is the same price for me to buy four cars. Yeah. I could buy four cars with the price we're doing one. Yeah, it's just not the same, is it? It's not the same. Not the same. That's the car that Grandmaster Elliot drove from mm. 1980, late 1986 until he passed. So go to the Posada on the camp, get driven around by, in Helio's car, by Helio's favorite student. One of his, one of his yeah, guys. One of his favorite students. One of his favorite guys to train. Because you were small, like you were one of his favorites, yeah. I was a very small guy, and I, I always got a chance to, to be his partner. So every time you show any move, I was, if you want to do any kind of move, I, I was a very uh, gentle, and I, so he felt very good to, to, for me to be, be his partner. Mm -hmm. So that was a great, I can feel it one-on-one. It was unbelievable. Yeah, so like, well, what cars, um, what are you currently driving? Because you, you've got a few sports cars, like, you've got a, <laughs> like a Porsche, that you're driving a Porsche at the moment. Yeah. But like, um, and you take it down to the track and... No, like, no, no, no. You, 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 you love driving, going fast, and you've been inspired by Ed and Senna exactly. from Brazil, who's like a, he was a hero of mine when I was growing up. Oh, um, no. Yeah, when he died, it was tragedy. Devastating. I, I hated Williams, but you know, I was like, oh, it was their fault, but you know, that was just, I, I, I love my, um, you know, I've had the Marlboro, the Marlboro yep. ads, and, yeah, the McLaren team. I used to the go McLaren time. Yeah, I used to love McLaren because of Ed and Senna, but um, yeah, so like, yeah, so could you go to your current cars and... Yeah, Ayrton Senna idea, if you think about his logo, slogan was driven to perfection. Mm. And that's always been something that's been ingrained in my mind here, how to make things perfect. Mm. has to be perfect. So that's what I got in cars. I like to get old cars and make the cars perfect. <clears throat> Don't have to be cute. Yeah. Don't have to have a beautiful paint job. Everything has to work. It has to be mechanical-wise mm. perfect. Mechanic-wise, how the car can be perfect. Mm. How can I make it better? In Porsches, they have a wide variety. You can take a 1966 Porsche until a 19, you know, 90s, uh, middle mm. 90s, and every parts are interchangeable. interchangeable. You can okay, change. That's awesome. 
So right now my project is a nine, Porsche 964. Mm -hmm. The year is a 1990, and I, I built the engine myself. I put a turbo, mm -hmm. I put a Motec. That's actually, the Motec is, is here from Australia. Okay. It's a computer uh, yeah. program, it's a computer soft, uh, yeah. computer, computer. For, for, to yeah. run the car. Mm -hmm. And um, the car is, a, I, I don't do too much lately, because I get, I got, I'm so busy, but every time I got a chance, I go ahead and I do, I pick, make a little improvement in the car. Hmm. I drive some other car too. I, I, normally I drive a, a new Audi uh, to go to class. Uh, that's a business car. My wife too, she works yeah. for the business, so we both got a new Audis. Uh, and I have a 1960 Chevy Impala Nomad that I, that I built myself too. Okay. It has a Corvette yeah. engine, yeah. and I'm getting ready now to do the second restoration. It's been about close to 15, 20 years ago that I started restoration this car. Okay. Now it's time for the second restoration. And I'll do some mechanic, I want to put yeah. the better suspension. So do you just have them at your house in the garage or? Pretty much, yeah. sitting right there in the garage yeah, of my so, house. Yeah, fair enough. I have a little car porch, but it's not a garage, it's yeah, a car porch. Yeah, okay. fair enough. Um, all right, so just one final question. Just Could you just go into like the, the new stuff with the association, the clear path and you know, sort of the future and where you see the future of jiu-jitsu is, is now, you know, uh, compared to where it had, had been in the past. And mm -hmm. Well, uh, one thing that I see today is the internet made things connect people so well all over the planet. Oh. And uh, when I saw the Grace University program, when Hiro and Hannah was doing the, the university, in my personal opinion, I thought that was an ingenious idea. Mm. I thought that that was a very good way to, to present jiu-jitsu to the public. To, to spread jujitsu all over. In every school, every academy on the planet are benefit tremendously mm. by the work that those two guys are doing yeah. here in Hannah. Because I don't care which country that you are, if you got online and you didn't search about jujitsu, those uh, moves from the great university shows up there. And that probably developed the first interest, oh, I wanna learn some moves here. And the guy learned one from the CMO. But it also keeps, um, keeps the instructors on us because, you know, you, you know you've got, like, a legitimate instructor because you know they're teaching the technique properly. So you can you compare. You, yeah, you can compare with what, you can compare what the with, curriculum is. Yeah. yeah, whatever you learn in, in the school, you can compare online. Mm. So I believe that you, you, you definitely got to get a hand on. I believe you've got to get wet. If you want to learn how to mm. swim, you got to get wet. Yes. You want to learn how to do jiu-jitsu, eventually you got to grapple. Mm. But you got to learn how to control the skeleton Yes. first before you start grappling yeah so i believe a lot instead us to come to class first day of class first week of class first month of class the first e of class yeah. we all had an opponent mm. i believe on the first year to have a training partner a single person a single uh, a, a, or, any other person yeah but when it comes towards when you guys pair yeah. up it's not one guy being an, an opponent it's not two opponents yeah and true training partners. Yeah. And the training partner mentality allows you to learn body anatomy. Mm. When you start to understand body anatomy, you start to learn how to protect your joints in a more friendly way yeah. first, yeah. before you start yeah, to Building the trust without building the trust, then like you can't develop the technique properly. And you don't get hurt yeah. so and, often. And you don't mind tapping to your partner. Because it is a training partner. teaching each other. Yeah, we're training we each other. better. So that's a way that you learn how to build this foundation. Mm. So when I, when I thought about myself, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for over 40 years. You know, I've gone to 45 mm. years. I see the whole circle. I see the full circle. Mm. 
Elio Gracie, one time, he, I was sitting down side by side with him, and uh, one of my friends, uh, Marcelo Baring, mm. was uh, uh, talking about another practitioner that was very gifted guy, very, yeah. very gifted. And uh, it was Marcelo, myself, and Elio. Mm. We're sitting down watching this fight. And I told, Marcelo told me about this kid, and I already knew who he was. And I, I, I looked to Elio and said, Elio, take a look at this kid over there. And Elio looked at me, Pedrinho, this kid only going to impress me in 30 years from now. And I was like, at the time, I didn't get it very well the, what he was talking about. 30 years from now, this kid is unbelievable. I saw him flying. I saw him doing incredible stuff. Mm. Well, guess what? This kid stopped training jiu-jitsu. He's no longer on the mat. He quit. Mm. He got hurt. Couldn't perform. And Elio's right. He was doing what, whatever he was doing at the time. It was 100% physical ability. Mm. It was his physical ability. Mm. But he could not multiply the physical ability. Yeah. He cannot pass it on, the physical yeah. ability. You can try to make people be more uh, fit, but the physicality, the mm. ability, is, 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 you have to be taught. Mm. But you cannot be taught with fear. You have to taught with respect. Mm. When, you, when you learn physical ability with respect, I learned how to respect your joints the same way you learned how to respect my joints. Mm. Now I'm learning how to respect your body the same way that you respect my body. Yeah. This is going to allow us to explore every kind of mm. mechanic, the joints, the twist, the, every band in a friendly way. Mm. And that's how we will build a foundation. And after that, you can put the yeah. argument, uh, yeah. you can start grappling. Build the trust and then the, the, in all, my the, school, all the ships go together. And the funny that's thing right. is that in my school, I'm a living, proving, uh, my mm. school is a proof mm. fact of that. Exactly. When I started doing this program one and a half year later, uh, ago, I used to have 200 students. For about six years, my, 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 my academy kept 200 students, 200 average, six mm. years, 200 students. When I started, uh, when I made, I made a merge with the greatest combatants and our Jiu-Jitsu fundamentals, when I merged the curriculum, now we have 400 students, we double. Mm. How come we never had that before? Mm. So, yeah, so some, we can also something in the way that has always been taught. It could be done better, and maybe it's being done better now. And when you really understand how to do better, you scratch your head and say, "Oh my gosh, if I had done this, um, can you imagine?" I was in Utah for 16 years. Mm. I trained every day. I was on my prime. I used to have Mark Schultz yeah. on my class was, a, by the way, uh, on the best Olympic wrestler, great guy. I've spoken to him on Periscope. Great Last individual. Week. You should bring Mark Schultz. He yeah. is incredible. Nice Last guy. Week. Tough individual. Mm. He fought for jiu-jitsu. He defends jiu-jitsu flag mm. like i never seen no mm. one. And you know what? You know I said that no, uh, nobody ever done that? Because he defends jiu-jitsu flag with one day notice. Mm. Okay. One day notice. Well, that, that's, the, that's the real jiu-jitsu. Yep. He stepped on the octagon. With one day notice. That's how it was. We got in a meeting together on a Friday night. I look at Mark, say, uh, Mark uh, was sitting side by side with me. Dave Benetton was going to fight the Gary Goodrich, broke his hand training with Mark, and he, he couldn't fight in the UFC. So I look at Mark and I tell Mark, I can beat this guy. And Mark looked at me, Are you crazy? You're 150 pounds. Hmm. I, I bet you can beat him too. Hmm. And he, Mark just told me, negotiate a deal with him. Uh, so I went to Art Davis and Bob Myers, and I negotiated Mark Schultz's prize. Two thirty in the morning, we set up the deal. Mark fought next day. Hmm. So zero preparation. So if you didn't have jiu-jitsu, 
you know, Mike was a great wrestler. Yeah, yeah. He was a great wrestler. Well, he's also just a freak competitor as well. Unbelievable competitor. But think about this. The wrestling alone was never been a tool for you to challenge people. Because people before, when, when we came to America, I remember a lot of people talk about karate, a lot of people talk about kung fu, mm. but nobody was talking about wrestling. Mm. And I always, I always stick up for the wrestling. Mm. Yeah. In, in my mind here, I was in Utah, and I remember karate guys come to challenge me. I remember uh, kung fu guys come to challenge me, but the wrestlers guys, they come to learn. Mm. They, they, we grapple, but they like, they mm. like right away. Yeah. So they just have to add. So the wrestlers, they are great, uh, they are changing yeah, mind. Well, you can't deny it. It's real. It's your feelings there. They, they come right in. Yeah. They blend right yeah. in. All the martial arts know we have to prove them. Mm. And people, one time somebody asked me, uh, I was, a, some, I was some, somebody doing an interview with me in Utah, and they could compare, oh, Professor Sai, what do you think a, a, a kung fu master uh, and a karate guy fight against a wrestler? Who will win? And I say, the only way the karate guy or the kung fu guy can win if he's a wrestler too. Mm. That's right. That's a fact. You know, I don't think we can go to a fight. I don't think we can go to any match believing that we can use our strikes. Mm. And our strikes can be very precisely, mm. can be very good. And you can get a very good shot, lucky shot too. Yeah. Look at Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson fought uh, through his career. He had 19 knockouts in the first round. Yeah. But what happened when people figured out his, his, uh, his game? What happened when he come out of his pride a little bit? Mm. Now he start the, the round start first round, second round, third round, fourth round. Mm. Pretty soon he got knocked out. Yeah. So the, the, if Mike Tyson, somebody can close the distance in Mike Tyson, they could close the distance on, on myself too if mm. I'm a pure boxing. Yeah. They can close the distance on you too if you're pure karate. Anybody who's a pure standing up martial arts practitioner, we have a window of opportunities limited yeah. because we are, we are trying to... Uh, in between. We're trying to, to find the target that's a mobile target. Then the timing. The target is always yeah. mobile. Yeah. So as long as you have a perfect connection, you can get it. But the moment you miss the perfect connection, the guy's on side. The now you close the gap. Mm. Now you're on the ground. If you don't the grappling arts, that's when you pay the price. Well, that's it. All right. Well, you know, like the ancients, you know about it, the ancient Greeks, you know, all those old statues of them doing the wrestling and the pancreatum and all that. So, yeah, it's good. You need the grappling. But, you, you know, that. samurais, you know, love the... With protectors with the swords and they had the swords and the grappling yeah you know it's like when you don't have a sword you need the grappling yeah so that, that's the most effective but anyway all right thanks very much for coming you're more than welcome i hope that yeah. answered the question i'm not sure yeah. if i answered that when you talk about the clear path yeah yeah i was so like with the clear path yeah i was gonna yeah just remind you with uh so just, just could you just touch on that for a minute? That's for that's for the students within the association. So people like me and like everyone else that's within the association um, got access to their on your online. So yeah, could you just describe that quickly? The Clear Path is basically is a, is a program, is a computer program that uh, anybody can have in your phone. You can just walk with your phone, and any time that you uh, to come close to school. They recognize that you're close to one of the schools okay. that's part of the association. And our mic will pop in your screen, hey, the class tonight's going to be headlocks, triangles, and kimuras. Okay. Three moves. And you, when the moment you get there and you, and you sign in, you receive credit for those classes. Okay. That means the computer recognizes that you have the first three moves. And after that, you do the second time, you do the third time. After you do three times, you're eligible to start, okay, the next move, next move. You pretty much have to, to learn every single mm -hmm. move minimum of three times. 
And when you add up moves, after 100 hours, you could be tested for your blue belt. Mm. That's how the beginning. And the clear path, what it does, allows you to look about 1,000 hours of myself teaching class mm. of Andre Galvão, Caio Terra, mm. of uh, uh, Mendes Brothers, anybody, your favorite guys, mm. your favorite people. You can, you, can, you can add your own library. So okay. if you like a move from Hoyt's Gracie, you can put over there. Mm. You like a move from Hickson Grace, you can put yeah. over there. Okay. So you build your own historical. Mm. And you can always go back and check it out and see your moves. Costs like $50 a mm. year. It's almost like a present. Mm. But that's a way to keep the jiu-jitsu community together. Because I assume a lot of people might quit jiu-jitsu, but mm. they still wanna, they still wanna, might be able to see, yeah. be involved, receiving news. Refresh the mining, and they might see. Oh, I've only got a, I've only got a few hours left to get my stripe. Sure, oh, okay, I'll come back in. I gotta go back to class, yeah. man. I can do go back to class, man. It's gonna be a, a class on a Sunday night. It's gonna have a class for for this move, and I need this. Mm. I'm gonna go to class Sunday night. Yeah, so force you to kind of be a partner mm. for you to kind of hey, we need to for yeah. you to progress in jujitsu. I'm gonna help you. Well, that's excellent. We have the technology online. You, you know, gotta use it. You gotta use it. If and you think you cannot learn, doing, yeah. can you imagine somebody saying, I cannot learn Jiu Jitsu online? Well, you must be blind mm. because I learn Jiu Jitsu online every day. Yeah, exactly. I learn mechanical online. Yeah, you just need, you need if you've got two people willing, two yeah, bodies. It's gonna happen. You can still do stuff on your own, but you need two bodies and that's it. Anyone you can learn can recipes learn. online. You can yeah. learn anything online. You want to learn how to do a mechanical job, yeah. uh, uh, any kind of physical job, you go online, you're going to have people teaching how to do it. Yeah, it was weird. Like I, I used to do work out and do gym, and I used to give people advice that I saw, I read in Arnold's book. Yep. And it's like, it's like advice from Arnold's, but because I'm a scrawny little guy, it's like, you know, it's like, so it's like, oh, where is that? No, we got to be it? smart. Mm. And the thing about the technology that I help people that need the most. Yes. You know, there are people that are scared. You know, they live in a remote area, they don't have access, now they can learn a few moves here, a few moves there, they eventually can start practice, and down the road, when they're traveling, when they're going to another place, they show up in the school, and they want to be a student, they want to learn, you know, they want to be involved in some other people, so it helps the whole entire jiu-jitsu community. This is a very way to look outside of your box. Don't try to think about, oh, you're selling jiu-jitsu, oh, you, you know, you're giving up jiu-jitsu away, oh, I work too hard for my belt, well, you know what, guess what? No, I don't think mm. nobody worked as hard as I did for mm. my belt. Mm. Because I want to see what it means for you to sign up on the Elio Gracie and look at the Elio Gracie, our kids, black belts, and you say, I need to work like those guys to mm. get my black belt. So that means one day I got to beat those guys. Mm. How can I get my black belt? Mm. You know, how can I get my black belt? I never want to be like those guys. Yeah. You know, I'm 25 years old. How am I going to... Those guys, they learn in just one day, three, four, mm. five, six, seven years old. I'm never going to do that. So I think I work the hardest with everybody, at anyone, because look at that. I got my belts from Elio Grace, from mm. white to coral belt. Mm. I got my belts from Hickson Grace, from white to coral belt. Mm. All my belts got endorsed by Elio, Hickson, Horion, and Helson, since white belt. Mm. So I, I believe that the lineage is a recipe for the success that I do today. I never ask no student to be loyal. I mm. never in my life ask no one you can go ahead and ask any mm. place on the planet. If you ever hear Pedro Sal, hey, you gotta be loyal to me. Mm. Nope, I never did, and that's something that I don't need it. Mm. Because loyalty, you earn it. You earn it. You cannot ask for it. Yeah, well, people can read the, can see the gen, genuine, the genuine article there, and they're like, yes, you know. You earn it. When the moment you start asking and you make people responsible, 
So what I like to see, I like to see all my students traveling, mm. going to other schools, yeah. doing seminars, support other <clears throat> seminars, learn everything you can mm. and bring back to us. Yeah. Yeah, Period. Show yeah. sure, I'm over there. Moves, I'm over share the moves. I'm over here. Uh, I'm over there. Professor over there for white belt over here. Yeah. Show me the moves, my friend. Yeah, that was the best. Sitting next to you, watching Hickson. You're sitting there like a white belt next to us, just listening. And you still, even at your age, like at your level, coral belt, you're still picking up techniques. That for sure. A white belt is learning. For That's sure. Crazy. All the time. Yeah. Because over here I'm a white belt. Mm. So I don't care if you're a world champion, if you are physically. Uh, gifted, athletic guy, your fingers, your, well, it doesn't matter. If you really want to understand Jiu-Jitsu, we need to understand the, the principles of the body anatomy. Mm. When you understand this, you are forever. That's it. All right? No worries. So, <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, amigo. My pleasure, brother. Pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. All the best, guys. Yeah, so we'll see you guys next time. Thank you very much. Thanks. All the best, guys. Alrighty guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, it was a pretty cool conversation and I'd just like to, yeah, thanks once again for uh, giving me that time, Professor. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a privilege and an honor. So yeah, be sure to like, follow, subscribe and share all that jazz. Uh, check out Pedro's links in the description below as well as uh, my new blog posts. I'll put them all in the link below and yeah, I'll catch you guys next time. Us. Oh, 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 oh,